Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this week's Keeping an Eye on the Geopolitical Ball with me, Jamie Shea, Senior Fellow at Friends of Europe. Well, uh, last Monday was Labor Day in the United States, the official end of the summer. And this is the time of the year where most of us are looking back on fond summer memories uh, of holidays and a break, at least for a few weeks, uh, from work or the news cycle. Uh, but for millions of people around the world, the summer is not a happy experience, but is rapidly becoming a nightmare because of the impact of climate change and extreme weather events and ever hotter temperatures. I mean, I mean, if we just look at what's been going on since June, we've had those enormous wildfires in Canada uh, with thousands of people being evacuated. A whole city, Yellowknife, for instance, in the Northwest Territories, the smoke going all the way down the eastern seaboard of the United States. We've had record temperatures uh, in the United States with 100 degrees Fahrenheit being exceeded for nearly three weeks on consecutive days. Uh, for example, uh, in Arizona, Texas, and Southern California. Uh, we've had floods, though, also more recently in Southern California, where normally at this time they prepare for drought. Uh, the Panama Canal has been uh, impeded uh, because the water levels are too low to allow for normal traffic. Close to home here uh, in the Dardanelles, the uh, uh, connection between the Black Sea and the Mediterranean uh, off the shore of Turkey, forest fires. Uh, have impeded uh, traffic. Uh, and in Europe, we've had the hottest summer on record with 48 degrees uh, in Sicily and Sardinia. The climate of Europe is now increasingly becoming the same as that of North Africa. Mosquito-bearing bearing malaria have even started to appear in, in uh, France. Uh, in Greece, uh, ferries that normally take people to holiday destinations on the Greek islands were commandeered to serve as hospitals for people suffering the effects of extreme uh, 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 heat. Uh, even a military base, uh, uh, the ammunition was ignited by a forest uh, uh, fire. British tourists had to evacuate roads. Tourists were evacuated from Tenerife. Portugal declared uh, a state of alert in 120 municipalities. And just in case you think that this is something that only affects southern Europe, uh, we had a great flooding in Norway uh, as uh, well. Uh, and of course, on top of uh, climate change, we still have the usual selection of uh, more immediate man-made uh, 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 failures or, or disasters. Ships collided in the Suez Canal. The UK air traffic control system went down, stranding millions of passengers for days uh, around the world. We had the usual quota of cyber attacks and the normal way in which geopolitics, particularly the Russia-Ukraine war, interfered with global supply chains, particularly after Russia abrogated the Black Sea grain deal uh, in July. Now, what does all of this mean? It means that increasingly we are seeing a dangerous and toxic interplay of the effect at the growing impact of climate change, uh, more confrontational geopolitics, uh, the interdependency of globalization, uh, causing disruption quickly across the entire uh, spectrum, uh, supply chain fragility, and creaking in and vulnerable infrastructure, which is easily uh, disrupted. So, to my mind, this means that getting through the summer. Uh, is now going to be one of the most urgent tasks of NATO, the EU, the G7, the transatlantic democracies, because 2023 is pretty much the same as 2022. And that seems to suggest the way things are going, that 2024 is going to be pretty much as bad 
uh, if not even worse. In other words, we can no longer assume that after a particularly catastrophic year, we're sort of going to get a break like we did in the good old days of a decade or so, uh, where we can recover, we can uh, regroup. Uh, no, uh, we are going to have to be able uh, next year to prepare for the worst and not just wait until it happens and then respond with the means that we still have available. So we need between uh, the international institutions, between the public uh, sector, the private sector, between local municipalities, federal emergency services, uh, ministries of the interior, uh, we need uh, now a network, uh, a summer task force to start looking at how we can survive the summer, not to stop bad things from happening, but to limit their impact, to limit the loss of life, to limit the damage and help us to keep things going as smoothly as possible. So what should this uh, new task force focus on? Well, first of all, mapping our vulnerabilities, those you know, single points of failure. Uh, those nodal points, those hubs in transport networks or in supply chains or in industrial production that can quickly uh, uh, stop the whole system from working. For example, the UK air traffic control system didn't have a backup, which is crazy when you think of the fact that it manages 3,000 flights in and out of uh, the UK every day of the week. Secondly, we've got to reduce our dependencies. Uh, this has already started to happen. For example, the EU now requires its member states to have 90 days of gas uh, storage. Uh, we've diversified away uh, in gas and oil from Russia. That's all very good. We've started to reshore vital industries, uh, uh, which uh, like in chemical production or medicine production, so that we cannot be blackmailed by foreign suppliers. And we're looking in Europe also at how to uh, reopen our mines for rare earth production, given that 90% of all of these things that we depend on for our electric cars or our iPhones currently come from China. Third, we've got to prepare for worst case scenarios because the worst case is no longer the worst case in terms of rarity, but the worst case in terms of frequency. We know this already in terms of war in Europe uh, after Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the enormous levels of loss of human life, physical destruction uh, of that country, which continues to this day, and therefore the need to ramp up our production of military material uh, the economic war footing that Thierry Breton, the EU commissioner for the internal market, has spoken about. But it's also preparing for the worst case in climate change. For example, the EU has now got a scheme to buy, as well as uh, commission, uh, aircraft, uh, tanker aircraft that carry water and uh, uh, spray that water over forest fires so that the EU can provide this kind of support immediately to a country like Greece which is badly uh, affected. Um, next, we've got to forge partnerships. Who do I call in a crisis? Who's my best interlocutor? Who can provide the most immediate uh, assistance? We, it's no good going looking for these partners once the crisis has broken out. We need to establish this in advance. Let me just give you one very quick example. The European Space Agency in Paris has partnered with the Canadian government so that the satellites of the ESA um, uh, Sentinel and Copernicus that observe the world's uh, uh, land surface and oceans can uh, trace the uh, uh, the spread of the forest fires in Canada, the intensity of the heat, where they're going to go next, uh, the speed, and give the Canadian firefighters valuable advice about where their efforts can be best made, as well as 
keeping them out of danger, as well as uh, looking at the heating of the world's oceans, where the next forest fires could occur uh, in the future. That's a good example of the kind of partnerships that, that using technology that make the best sense. And then finally, we have to learn from each other. We're all in the same boat. The UN calculates that only 11 countries of the world don't uh, have uh, impacts immediately from climate change. That number will obviously go down in the years ahead. We're all experiencing the shocks to the system, whether from climate change or, or other uh, ways in, in which things simply go wrong. Uh, and we're all ga gaining experience. Uh, we're all improving our resilience, our working culture. But it's important that we learn from each other. Uh, international, local, national, as we go forward, share the experiences and be honest about our failures as well as boast of our successes. Uh, Edmund Burke, back in the 18th century, uh, uh, the MP and political philosopher, said that the public interest requires doing today those things that most, excuse me, the public interest requires doing today those things that men of intelligence and goodwill would wish five or 10 years hence had been done. That's very good advice. And I would suggest that could be a motto for this new, let's get through the summer as best as we can, uh, 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 transatlantic task force. Uh, the summer break in future won't be defined, dear listeners, as two weeks on the beach, but getting through the summer with the minimum amount of disruption that is humanly achievable. Thank you for listening today. And I look forward to engaging with you again next week. Bye for now.